It's April 24th, 2023, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Amazon's 2022 shareholder letter, understanding the recent retail sales report. Could Amazon's seller expansion give reason for Shopify collaboration? Retailer David's bridal entering bankruptcy. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains seven items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first in our shopping cart full of news, Amazon's 2022 shareholder letter. Andy Jassy wrote at the beginning of the letter to Amazon shareholders that the company is facing an unusual number of simultaneous challenges. Wow, what a way to start a letter. In many ways, this shareholder letter was Andy Jassy resetting his control over the company and reminding everyone that Amazon invests for the long term on its own calculus. That said, I did learn a few new things. First, Amazon's lack of grocery progress is continuing to stand out. CEO Andy Jassy said the company has been experimenting for three years with Amazon Fresh, Amazon's mass market grocery concept. Amazon did not say it is making progress or that the company has figured it out. Is this lack of progress all we have for that new leadership from Tony Hoggett at Tesco coming in to run grocery at Amazon? It felt to me like Jassy stopped writing in this section out of disgust for the company's grocery progress. Second, Amazon has switched from a national fulfillment model to more of a regional hub-and-spoke model. This was the biggest news by far of the letter and the only element cited by Andy as a critical challenge. How does the company reduce its fulfillment costs to serve? In order to do so, Amazon revealed that it divided the country into eight regions where inventory is primarily located in that region and shipments will come at worst from the closest regional facility. Of course, Amazon will still have the ability to ship nationally as well if needed. It sounds like previously, if the item wasn't available from a same-day facility for a buyer, it could ship from literally anywhere in the country. Which makes you think that Amazon's supply chain chaos in the last year. Amazon has rebalanced its entire inventory footprint and developed a new supply chain operating model. That's quite a job. Third, Buy with Prime and Marketplace were mentioned. In this section, we got an update on the Marketplace third-party seller unit count, and it's 60%, which means the other 40% of the units were from first-party vendors. Also, the Buy with Prime team will be happy to have gotten a mention. Jassy mentioned that there are two theses for Buy with Prime. The first is that DTC brands are now able to offer products to Prime members. The second is that DTC brands have a problem with conversion rates, and using Amazon to fulfill raises that by 25%. Here's the issue with these statements. First, yes, DTC has a conversion problem. But is the average DTC brand looking to hand off all their operations to Amazon? Not likely. Second, while I can't agree that conversion is an issue for many brands, a much bigger issue is traffic. And Buy With Prime is not currently addressing this for brands. My main worry at the moment about Buy With Prime is not that Amazon can't fulfill quickly or build technology. It's that the target customer for Buy With Prime is murky. And as a result, Amazon may not be targeting these customers with the right messages to attract them to the program in the first place. And oh yeah, there's also that do I trust Amazon thing going on. Our second story, understanding the recent retail sales report. Americans are definitely spending more cautiously. Spending declined for the second straight month, albeit by 1% in March. 
Retail, restaurants, and gas are all included in this pullback, according to data reported by the Commerce Department in a recent WSJ article. Hiring has also eased and manufacturing output slightly declined. Online has slowed but still outpaces retail sales, which were in decline. Some additional categories affected by decline in March as compared to February. Electronics and appliances, home improvement, furniture, and automobiles. What does this mean for brands and retailers? Overall, it seems to mean that things are getting incrementally worse regarding consumer spending. In my opinion, this is how a recession really starts. Interest rates seem to have affected the consumer's willingness to borrow money to pay for purchases in general. Recall for the past 10 years, it was very easy to get 0% financing. Those days are ending. And if they are not, the penalties for not paying off the balance at the end of the period are higher than ever. I just checked a $2,000 stainless steel refrigerator at Best Buy. No interest for 18 months, but after that, 30% APR. Oof. It's no wonder large electronics, appliances, and auto sales are off. There are two other economic tidbits to keep in mind as we go forward. First, large retailers like Walmart predicted that the unit sales would be slightly less in the second half of the year than the first half. Second, most economic reports, including those used by Walmart, the S&P Global Economic Outlook, counted on the end of the Ukraine war by mid-year. Does that seem likely to anyone? Sometimes old news is new news. Online remains strong, but it's likely because we are talking about smaller purchases as compared to retail. The overall picture remains a category-by-category story at the moment. Our third story. Could Amazon sellers' expansion give reason for Shopify collaboration? Software company Jungle Scout released its 2023 State of the Amazon Seller Report, and I thought one of their first points made for an exciting discussion. The number of Amazon SMB sellers exploring other platforms is up to 52% from 30% the previous year. Here's the list of platforms they're exploring. eBay is top at 24%, but declining interest down 14% year over year. eBay has a huge historical head start. Shopify is at 16%, which grew 6% year over year. Walmart is at 15%, which is growing the fastest. It grew 28% year over year. While it's not surprising that eBay is declining, Walmart growing so fast is interesting. Of all the marketplaces, Walmart is obviously the most like Amazon, meaning it's easiest for sellers to try. In 2021, Marketplace Pulse mentioned about 6 million Amazon sellers, with 3 million in North America. In the same year, only 60,000 were over 1 million in sales. The rest of those sellers under 1 million in sales overlaps almost 100% with Jungle Scout Group, which polled 2,000 brands under 2 million in sales. There are a few interesting points from this analysis. First, 40% of Amazon sellers were not trying other channels. That's a strong group, particularly since being on multiple channels reduces risk. Two, by any metric, Shopify would want to attract a greater percentage of those more than 2 million merchants. Many are not large sellers. In theory, Shopify's sweet spot. The problem with attracting these merchants is traffic. Shopify can't offer this to merchants, and Amazon can, not to mention prime fulfillment. Three, you could look at Shopify's numbers another way. Of the 60% exploring other channels, only 16% look to Shopify, but numbers are only flat to slightly up, which is growing less than e-commerce. This speaks to the fact that the overlap between Shopify and Amazon is not as strong as you might think, which kind of goes back to Toby's original point when Amazon Buy With Prime was announced, and he said, I don't think there's as much overlap as people think. He wasn't wrong. But is that Shopify's fault, or is it their opportunity? Fourth, If Shopify does want to create a home for multi-channel curious Amazon sellers, it's not doing a good job. 
It is flexed on Buy With Prime, and this after Shopify retired its own Amazon connector in 2021. Wouldn't you want to capture GMV faster than Walmart, eBay, and Etsy from Amazon sellers as the next best option? It could point to an opening for collaboration. Five, when considering Shopify's growth opportunities, there are really three. Growing GMV attach rates by POS, payments, and fulfillment. Expanding the total addressable market. This is a more full-featured plus product and commerce components. And finally, shop app. Whatever the hell you want to call this thing that's not the M word. Wouldn't Amazon sellers be another nice slice of TAM? They would need Amazon help on that integration. Could this be part of the Buy With Prime deal? And our last story. Retailer's David Bridal entered bankruptcy. While that was fast, after a few years of digital expansion, it seems like the debt payments for David's Bridal have caught up with the company. Retail Dive reported that the company is looking for a buyer as part of its bankruptcy filing. Rather than try and reemerge from bankruptcy, it seems like it's prepared to liquidate if it can't find a buyer. The company hired Gordon Brothers to wind down the business operations and liquidate all inventory in its stores. For those who haven't been tracking the firm, this comes on the heel of the company laying off 9,000 employees. In other words, most of them. While you think weddings are somewhat recession-proof, here's what's not recession-proof in a high-interest-rate economy is $70 million in debt, which David Bridal took on in 2021 after it re-emerged from the last bankruptcy in 2018. If the company does rise from the adage this time, it will be with a much smaller fleet of stores and it will be likely trying to renegotiate down some of that debt. This could be a big opportunity for other players to grab a piece of that business, similar to what happened when Toys R Us closed all its stores. Hey, Watsonians, this is Rick. Want to get my take on a burning question and have me answer on this podcast? You can start a topic on the RMW Commerce community and just ask. The community is full of e-commerce diehards just like you talking about important e-commerce issues. Recently, we've been discussing the Amazon shareholder letter and if Amazon has any hope of future in grocery. You can contribute to the conversation at community.rmwcommerce.com today. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have seven items on the menu today. First, Talpa closed a 15 million euro Series B to boost industrial intelligence. Digitizing these older industries like industrial technology is a huge opportunity everywhere, and Talpa Solutions is focused on monitoring assets in mining, construction, and logistics. This is also a similar to an opportunity offered by what's called IoT, or Internet of Things. Owners of industrial equipment can get real-time information and insights on the activities being performed, failure prediction, and a source of truth regarding their assets. Second, Enterprise content management platform HiGraph raised a Series B to create a federated content platform. I hadn't heard of HiGraph before, and instead of federated content, I've heard this also called digital experience composition. The company is squarely in the composable front-end market, which focuses on a use case where the company's data and experience capabilities are distributed in a variety of sources that need to be brought together and then orchestrated to create a unified solution for buyers. Third, Merchandising experience platform Edited raises $15 million. The London-based company provides insights necessary for brands to set the right price across channels as well as get market insights across them. Some of the messaging reminds me of what Commerce IQ offers in the market, a kind of digital shelf optimization software. Fourth, Blue Star Alliance acquired fashion brand Scotch & Soda. Blue Star is a brand management firm that owns Hurley, Justice, Brooks Durham, and other brands. 
licensing and international expansion seems to be the primary focus. True story, a scotch and soda moved across the street from my apartment in New York City a few years back, and I was excited because I thought there was a new bar to check out. It wouldn't surprise anyone to know that Scotch and Soda has been on the rocks lately and had filed for bankruptcy prior to this acquisition. Fifth, Fashinza, AI-driven global fashion supply chain company, raised $30 million in debt from Mars Growth Capital and Liquidity Group. Fashinza is an Indian-based marketplace in which brands find and use new textile suppliers. The company claims to use technology to match the brand with vetted suppliers, provide a platform for managing supplier relationships, and offer a 45-day turnaround on designs. It's unclear what percentage of the funding is equity, but likely a small part given the focus on lending by the funders. Six, B2B digital consultancy Zaylab received investment from Superstep Capital. While digital agencies aren't as big an opportunity for funding as technology, they do occasionally get outside capital. Zaylab has forged partnerships with companies like Salesforce, SAP, and Commerce Tools to help brands and retailers deliver B2B digital experience. This mirrors funding that digital agency Orium, formerly MyPlanet, received last year from Tercera. And finally, shoppable video startup VideoWise raised a seed round from Slack Fund. VideoWise provides on-site shoppable videos, shoppable video marketing, and video analytics solutions for growing brands on Salesforce or Shopify. From the information available, it looks like it entered a market that, before now, companies like Firework pioneered on the high end of the shoppable video space for websites. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez. Production manager Gabriela Montekin. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com/slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.